0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, and we have had an interesting turn of events here with the Seeking Excellence podcast. So, unfortunately, I had a great episode planned. I was set to record uh, yesterday morning for you guys, and unfortunately, uh, took a huge L this weekend. On Friday evening, I tore my Achilles on my left leg. As many of you know, follow me on Instagram. Tore my Achilles on Friday night, so... Uh, we'll hopefully be going to the, the doctor um, uh, today on Monday when this comes out, and we'll ideally have surgery within the week, and then face about a six to 12-week recovery process. So luckily, we still have a lot of uh, podcast episodes ready to go uh, for the coming weeks and everything, and i very blessed and thankful to have Father Chase's homily to send out today, uh, which is filled with a great message for everybody. i um, very thankful that he recorded this for me. And so, obviously, this is not, uh, this is, I'm recording this currently in my living room as opposed to where I normally record with my microphone. So, there's background noise and all these things from all my crazy college students right outside my door. But um, just wanted to give a little bit of context for that. Um, And yeah, we've been wanting to share some of Father Chase's homilies as well. Uh, So, I'm excited for this to kind of, this is kind of the perfect day, the perfect time to kind of initiate this and start this. And then, We're going to look into uh, getting him some better setups, too, for uh, recording his homily. So uh, bear with us as we kind of get this figured out. We put this kind of ad hoc last minute um, uh, podcast together for you. But I hope you enjoy it.
1: You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He's appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. it is time to begin seeking excellence.
2: What does God want? What, what does he really want? What does he want for me? What does he want for you? In my short six years as a priest, I think that question sums up every conversation that I've had when someone is knocked on my door in the office or says, Father, can I speak with you? And I love the question, I love the question because it says something about the person who's asking it. It says, I want to know what God wants for me, I want to do what God wants for me. It may be a question about family life, it may be about a crisis in the family, it may be something about marriage, it may be something about my vocation, it may be something about which classes I should take next semester, it may be something very simple. I can tell you that is the question of the human heart. The question of Christianity. The question of the one who has come to know the Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. It's the question that burns in our heart, or at least it should. And so we ask that question. It's a summary of all of our questions. It just says, God, what do you want? What do you desire? And I know that question sometimes is difficult to answer. And sometimes we might even get jealous of those when we look at someone and they say, it looks like they do it so well. They do it so easily. I know a lot of people like to, like to ask sisters and like to ask priests, like, tell me your vocation story, which is like the story of like, why are you doing what God wants, right? Tell me that story because it seems radical. It seems like, it seems like if I were asked something that big, I don't think that I would be able to do it. Well, I would ask you to ask the sisters and ask any of us priests or ask anybody who's done something radical for the Lord. It's not easy. And it never was, not not for a moment. It got easier along the way. And I'm gonna tell you how today. I'm gonna tell you that story of how it gets easier to do what God wants. Because sometimes we look at the apostles especially. And I know that when we hear people's vocation stories, we hear people who, who have done what God wanted. We wanna hear like the, the big conversion story, you know? We wanna hear the person who is a great sinner who is now following the Lord radically. We love those stories. I love those stories. I love to talk to our seminarians who are now following the Lord and just say, tell me, tell me about your story. Tell me, tell me how the Lord has called you. I, I, I have to know, I want to know. I wanna know the way the Lord speaks to you. I love those stories, but I will tell you also, I've come to love the most simple stories those who have not had radical conversion, those of us who maybe haven't been great sinners, those of us who don't really think God has done much in our life, maybe we feel like we don't have much to say. Let me tell you, I think some of those stories are the most beautiful, and here's why. Did you hear the stories that were told today? I think the apostles' stories, some of their stories, are the most boring vocation stories that exist in the church, and they're so beautiful. And why is that? Right? John the Baptist tells one of his disciples, who is Andrew, one of the apostles, he will become the apostle. He says to him, Hey, look, the Lamb of God, go follow him. Okay. End of his vocation story. We don't know any more details. Andrew goes and gets his brother. Right? It's just a natural thing to do, right? If you found something that you love, you introduce somebody else to them. And he says, Simon, I found the Messiah, let's go. Okay. End of Peter's vocation story. You heard the story of James and John, right? When they were cleaning the nets with their father, Zebedee, and a stranger walks by, who's Jesus? Get this, a stranger, to show you how radical this is. A stranger walks by and says, hey guys, I know you're hanging out with your dad, I know you're doing like your life's work, I know you're doing exactly what you know how to do and it's the only thing you know, but hey, come follow me. And their whole vocation story is summed up in, and they left their nets right there and they followed him. It's terribly boring to hear about. But how incredible that is. And I wanna ask the question then, how do they have so much clarity when I don't? How do they have so much freedom to do what God's, God wants for them when I don't? Why do I feel so much angst? Why does when God ask me a question to do something big in my life that I return with five more questions for him? Why is it that when he asks me to do something, I have five obstacles to getting to what he's asking me to do, things that I can't reconcile in my heart. Why has that happened to me? And these guys, they just leave their nets and go. Where does that freedom, where does that clarity, where does it come from? Well, I've been doing discernment for several years with young people. It's something that I love to do. Discernment, by the way, is the process of of. of going through the voices in our life and understanding God's voice above all and desiring to do what He wants more than anything else. That's what we call discernment. I'm I'm discerning which which voice is God's and how to have freedom to follow Him. And So when we ask that question, what does God want? That's what we're doing, we're doing discernment. And in doing that discernment, I've experienced, I've looked back on my experience, why has it been so hard, why do I have obstacles, why do I have questions, why don't I have freedom and clarity, and why do the people that I work with often not have that same freedom and clarity? Why does that happen? And here's the secret that may be very simplistic, or you might feel it to be simplistic, but I think it's something we can't miss and it's something we don't often talk about. And it's the fact that when we ask the question, we're saying, God, what do you want? What do you want? I want to do it right now. I want to be ready to do it. I want to, I'm scared what you're going to ask, but I'm ready to do it. And I need to know, and I need to know right now because i got things to do in my life. And the reality in that is that we're asking the question, but we are not ready for him to tell us the answer. We are absolutely not ready for him to reveal his divine will to us. Because what we're often saying when we're saying, God, just tell me, just tell me, I need, I need, we need to get on with life, I need to do this, I need to, I, 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 just, I need to know now. When we're saying that, we're basically saying, and I'll just use myself as an example, I've said oftentimes, Lord, uh, I want to know what you want, as long as it's exactly what I'm thinking of what I want right now. Like, like, bless my thoughts, bless my prayer, bless my will, and confirm it as your own, Lord. Which is the opposite of like true discernment, right? You can see how that's an obstacle. But what I want to say with this is, I think that we are asking the question, but our heart is not ready to receive the answer. And that's why we get frustrated when we ask God, what does he want? So I have two suggestions today of how we gain that clarity and that freedom. To know what God wants and to be, have that clarity and freedom to actually do it, to be prepared for the answer. It's like the pregame, it's the warm up. We need to do something before we get there. And the first is this the first is recognizing who you're talking to. Do we know the immensity, the providence, the goodness, the desire that God has for our hearts? I think we often skip that. And I think it is is the very first step, and if we miss it, we will miss God's will. And why do I say that? You know, it's oftentimes like people just go by and tell you, they say, hey, remember, God loves you." That's sweet if you know who God is and you actually know that he loves you, but when you're feeling down and you're not feeling God's love right now, that's one of the most frustrating things that somebody can say to you. What do you mean, God God loves me? I, I need a little bit more context than that. In fact, I think those of us who are leaders in this church, and I'm looking at all of us, are we prepared to tell someone when we say God loves you, if we say that? Are we prepared to explain that if they ask? Could you tell somebody else, as a test, could you tell somebody else why you believe that God loves you? And not just why you believe it, but how you've experienced it. Because then I'll really believe you. If you can give me testimony, if you can show me with your life what has happened, tell me how God loves you. Now you just might change my image of God. You might open up my, my brackets to, to understand what is actually possible, what kind of God I'm actually dealing with. And so I will tell you today why I believe that God loves me, or actually the moment that I thought that I understood it. I've heard all my life that God loved me and and in general, like most of the kids sitting here who may not understand it yet, I was a kid who just thought that God was great and I, I did believe that he loved me. But that didn't affect my life and it didn't affect most of my decisions. I wasn't a disciple. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But something changed. And I'll tell you, it was the moment in when I was actually asking that question, and I meant it, and my heart was open to receive the answer. I was ready, or at least I thought I was. And I was sitting in a chapel, much like you guys are today. I was sitting in the pews, and I was sitting in the presence of Jesus present in the Eucharist, which is probably the best place I could have been. As I sat in that chapel, I was asking big questions about my life, Lord, what do you want from me? I I love my life, I love what I'm doing, I love, I I have so much, like, Thing, everything it seems to be going well, but why, why, why is there something missing? Why am I not fulfilled? Why, why do I feel like I'm not yet doing life yet? And I can't tell you exactly what he said or what I experienced, but in my best effort, I can tell you that at that moment and for the days that followed, I believed that God had created me for a purpose. That changed everything for me. I believe that God had a plan for my life. Why does that change everything? Because now life is not just about my plan. It's not just about what I want. There is an eternal God who thought of me before time existed, before time began, before I was even knit into my mother's womb. He knew me. He thought of me. He had a plan for my life before I even knew what love was. Do you understand the kind of space that opens in the heart, and in, in, in the soul, in the mind. I thought that life was exciting as I made it. I was relieved to find out that life didn't just have to be as exciting as I make it. It was as exciting as God wanted it to be for me, as much as I was willing to follow him. There was an adventure to be had. There was more to life than I had ever conceived in my own mind. When my plans do not fulfill me, I ask the Lord, what are your plans for me? That opens up a new reality, and now I'm open to something that I never thought possible. He's opened doors in my life that have been more exciting than everything, anything I've ever planned for myself. But it started with a recognition of who I'm dealing with. And sitting in awe of the God whom I worship, It was recognizing him for who he is. And in the church, we call that adoration. That is the definition of adoration. I recognize you as creator and me as creature. And I'm in awe. You are the one that parted the Red Sea. And I sit before you. You are the one that gave the Israelites to drink. You are the providential God that led them miraculously through that wilderness into the promised land. And you will do it again. You are the God who came to earth as man. You created miracles upon the earth that that are written down in books. And everyone saw it. I want, I want to live in that part of exciting life that I've not seen. I, I believe that if you did it for them, then you could do it for me. I believe that you are the God that died on the cross. You gave your life so that I may live. You gave me the bread of life, the Eucharist, that, that I may have life within me. You rose from the dead and you sit in front of me right now. This is, this is you? This is the same God? I'll just ask, do we do that when we sit down in prayer? When we ask God what He wants, do we understand who we're dealing with? Because when we understand that, my, my trust is at the highest it's been. When I sit down in prayer and I proclaim who God is before me, and I remind myself, I don't have to remind Him, I'm reminding me who I'm dealing with. I can't do discernment without that. I can't ask God what He wants because if I don't trust Him, then the only thing I'm waiting for is for Him to confirm my will. And then I'm gonna go away saying things like, God doesn't love me, God doesn't answer me. Why doesn't He grant my prayers like He grants everybody else's? Why is it easy for them to follow and not for me? I haven't done the first prerequisite. I haven't warmed up, I haven't done the right thing. I haven't, I haven't declared who God is before me. And I don't trust Him. I'm scared of Him. I'm scared of what He might say. And so the second thing is this, once I sit before the Lord and I recognize who I'm dealing with, the second thing is I I, I beg for the desire, Lord, help me to love what you love. I want my will to be your will, not yours to be mine. I have to get the order right. I have to actually say what is true. Lord, I want your will to be done and help me to desire that because I'm scared. I'm scared to desire your will because I know you've asked crazy things of people throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I'm. You're gonna do things, but, but actually, when I've seen those things happen, it was the best thing, even when it was hard. Even when it was crazy, it was the best thing. Help me to desire that kind of faith. The best way that I can describe that for you is for anybody who's ever been in love. Those of you who are married, those of you who, who have been in love with your children, those of you who love your parents dearly, those of you who have friends whom you, who you just love, above all things, you just, you just want to give your life and be with them, isn't it true that when you have that kind of love for someone in your life, even what you didn't previously love, you come to love because they love it? Have you experienced that? You spent time with someone, you're like, I never liked camping, you like camping? Let's go camping. I like concerts. Do you like concerts? You don't like to go? To, you don't like crowds? You don't like to be in crowds? But you'll go with me because you love me? That's pretty awesome. You don't like sports? This is going to be a problem. Right? <laughs> you need to love what I love. But when I fall in love with you, when I fall in love, I will find myself doing things that I previously thought impossible because you love them and I want to love what you love. This is the experience of God. Will you come to the point where you will say, "I know how good you are, and I trust you, I've come to love you, and because I love you, Lord, teach me, teach me what you love. If you teach me what you love, I will come to love it too. I will, I will do my best to come to love it. I want to fall in love with what you love. Can you just imagine now that disposition in asking God of something that's very important in your life right now. You, everybody in here has something on their mind that maybe you've been milling about. What is God asking you to do? If you manage any kind of people, you've been asking this question, Lord, what do you want? If you have a family, you've been asking that question. If you have entered into the drama that is human life, you're asking that question, and there's things on your heart. Now when Father, or one of the sisters, or one of your mentors say, or your parents say, hey, you should go pray about that. That's almost like saying, oh God loves you." now get away, right? No, you should go pray about that. Do you know what we're actually saying? We're actually saying what I just said, go prepare your heart. I want you to go sit in that church and I want you to tell God all that he is to you. I want you to claim all of his blessings that he's ever showed you or he's ever showed anyone in the scriptures because that's the kind of God He is. And I want you to be confirmed and affirmed in what kind of God you're dealing with. And then I want you to sit there and I want you to beg that you would love what He loves, that He would grant you that desire, that you would follow Him no matter what. And then, and and only then, will your heart be disposed and you will be open and you'll have that open heart and you will be ready to ask the question, and only then, Lord, now what do you want? Finally, my heart is soft. Finally, my heart is open. And even if I'm scared, I'm willing to hear, Lord, what you have to say. I'm willing to consider it. I'm willing to do the hard work of discernment. Now, if we are going to do what God wants, if you want to know what God wants in your life, we must prepare. We must warm up. We must have a pregame. We must be ready to play the game that he's inviting us into. That's why when you hear boring vocation stories, when you read about the apostles and you say, how is it so easy for them? Do you know what you didn't hear? You didn't hear the years of hard work in which they gave their lives to a God that they did not see in which they proclaimed who He was, they knew who He was when He came, and when they saw Him on the scene, they already loved what He loved. And so all we see is Him asking them a question and they leave. It's not because it was easy for them, it's because they've already done the hard work. They had a heart that was disposed, they had a heart that was ready, they had a heart that, was, that had already done the pregame. It's not easy for anybody. But we have to put in the work to conform our wills, to conform our lives to God. And we put in that kind of game, then we will finally be ready to ask the question. Lord, what is it that you want from me? And we'll be free to respond. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Here I am, Lord. I've come to do your will.